Hi, welcome to GNWP's podcast. My name is Katrina Leclerc, and I'm the Girl Ambassadors for Peace Program Coordinator at GNWP. Today I have uh, University of St. Boniface and University of Winnipeg students who attended the Commission on the Status of Women, which will be reflecting on their experience this past March. Hello, my name is Jacques de Moissac. I'm a student at Université de St. Boniface, and I'm a business administration student. Hi, my name is Tiruni Valaliadha, and I am a student at the University of Winnipeg, Canada, and I am double majoring in Human Rights and Conflict Resolution Studies. Hello, my name is Michaela Creighton. I am a student at the University of Winnipeg in Canada, and I am a double major in Theatre and Human Rights. My name is Alexandria Kazmarek. I'm also a Canadian student at the University of Winnipeg studying Human Rights and Disability Studies. Perfect, and thank you so much for being here. Um, so my first question is about your expectations for CSW. So could some of you please share what your expectations were and if these were met or not met and maybe why? I had an expectation for uh, better youth inclusion and especially now being a full year into 22 to 50 being developed to see a lot more youth focus um, and inclusive youth focus. Uh, and I saw it met in many different spaces, including at the Canadian Mission, which was something that I know that we talked about last year. And in some places, I still found it wanting and missing, um, but there was definitely progress made. So that was nice. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely think I had a high expectation for accessibility in, in a lot of different ways, not only for uh, as young people being able to get into things, but just also for women with disabilities, you know, with uh, the different conflict zones that we have going on in the world, you see a higher rise of people with disabilities on the world, especially accessibility issues because of conflict. Uh, and with that, you would expect there to be more importance put on accessibility. It just wasn't happening. And I think that was something that uh, I left feeling really disappointed about. For me, um, I guess this was my first time going to CSW, so I w wasn't sure what to expect, but um, I think there were so many sessions that were there that was, um, so that people were able to actually go to these sessions to accommodate all these people who were there. So in that sense, I thought they did a good job in having so many sessions. But also, on the other hand, by having so many sessions, I couldn't really, I had to choose between sessions because they were at the same time. So I thought that I missed out on a couple of sessions because I couldn't go to them. So that was a bit disappointing. It was my first time as well at CSW, and I saw that uh, it's an event that you have to go uh, for multiple years to really be able to really understand it and really engage yourself. The first time, it's it looks kind of disorganized because it's a bit all over the place, and there's, uh, I would say, a culture of CSW where uh, people who have been coming for years know what to do and know exactly where to go, and uh, people who are the first times, they, they need to stick with them and be oriented. Thank you. Um, so now, what event do you think was the most interesting, uh, and why? I went to one on surrogacy and India, and we kind of talked about, it was a bunch of law students and some different uh, professionals in the field and doctors, and we talked about the impact on surrogacy and women in India, and uh, it was really interesting to, to compare laws on surrogacy in different parts of the world, and it turned into an open dialogue on uh, solutions that we thought needed to happen and how we thought it was impacting women's bodies. And so it was interesting to go to a panel, not only that was really informative, but also that 
turned into a way for us all to uh, contribute to the work that they were doing as well. I went to the Asia-Pacific Caucus, and I found it very interesting to find out what people are doing in their specific areas, like regional areas, and especially for me since I live in Canada now, and I don't have much um, information uh, in the Asian region. I found it very interesting and stimulating to find out some of the issues that they were actually focusing on. Um, I'm going to switch it from that and... I had two that I really enjoyed. One was uh, a smaller one. It was called Gender, Race, and Climate Change, Economic Empowerment in Resilience Building. And it was super interesting. It was run by the NWACP. Um, and it had panelists who had lived through Hurricane Katrina or who were living in Miami and dealing with uh, the issues of, um, of their current addressing climate change and especially uh, bringing a gender and race lens into it. And it was just interesting. Um, they also made sure that they had an inclusive panel with it. So um, multiple perspectives were represented, especially in the United States, the indigenous perspective was represented. So I found that really interesting and easy to connect it to Canada. Um, and then the other one was on the Saturday. And I highlight it because it was an all female youth panel. Um, which they acknowledge multiple times is very rare. Uh, and last year, I remember going to a panel that was a youth-focused panel, and there was only one youth who was in his 30s to represent the youth. So it was interesting to see that, that dynamic, and that one was called Building Sustainable Peace for All, Synergies Between the Women Peace and Security Agenda and the Youth Peace and Security Agenda. I really enjoyed uh, a closed meeting that I went to about uh, the private sector and how they can in influence uh, CSW, not only CSW, but other NGOs that are uh, really working for women's rights, how they, uh, through their consumers or through their donations, uh, through philanthropy, able to help uh, those who are in need uh, to either for further advance their own company, but also to help their consumers to empower them. Uh, another uh, event that was really good was the one from uh, all the people from Winnipeg and how to have Aboriginal people going from rural communities to the city and the, the impacts that that uh, has with them. It's very sad, however, that uh, there was a lot of miscommunication on the organization side for the room, and uh, a lot of people couldn't attend and were in a much smaller room. It would have been a great event to have a lot more people because a lot more people wanted to come. There wasn't enough seats. And so, so for that, it was really sad. However, the quality was amazing. Thank you. Um, so maybe now continuing on more um, on more in an avenue of how we can make CSW participation uh, useful or how we can get our own CSW participation to uh, experience it to the fullest. And so from your experience, uh, what worked and what could be improved to make the CSW participation more profound? Um, so for example, um, what are t ways that we can better bring across our goals or better um, advocate for what we came to do? I find it kind of hard to explain the way I was feeling, but we've mentioned this a few times that, you know, some rooms that you would go into, the panels would have maybe four or five people who came to see it in a big empty room, and other rooms would be so packed that there's people sitting on the floors and lining the walls. And 
So you would have experiences where it was so easy to have open discussion, so easy to get your point across, to ask those questions that you wanted to, to be able to bring things back home with you and apply them and have that experience and that knowledge gain. Um, and so the, the difference there in those larger rooms, those are a lot harder to have your voice heard and bring your opinions forward, but then also to kind of have more of a learning experience. Um, bouncing off that, I went to a lot more side events this year than I had previously, and I found that it was incredibly frustrating when things would become limited because um, unlike in parallel events where you can just stand outside the room, uh, UN security is very adamant on how many people can be in a room. But I think one of the things, rather than necessarily space, one of the things that I found was also time. Um, I think that panelists have a lot to share and there's not enough time to do panelists and questions. I think that even if we gave an extra half hour to people, then you would have more time to be able to actually delve into questions because I was in too many sessions where we were running over time, we could only take one or two questions, and then people's voices aren't being heard and it's not actually a dialogue that's happening because then a panelist runs off or people who you want to talk to run off. And it's hard because you don't want to restrict organizations who have important issues that want to come and present a panel. You don't want to restrict, you know, how many people can fit in a day and how many people, like, it becomes like who's is more important, but I almost think it would be better to have less, but be able to spend more time on each because otherwise you get through a day sometimes and by the end of it, you're sitting in a panel and you've missed half of it and you're still thinking about what you heard two panels ago and wishing you could have asked that question you thought of, right? And so even though they do a good job of trying to include as many as they can, I actually think it's, it's, not, uh, it's not benefiting. They could also expand to the weekend. Right. If yeah. they need if they need more space, they could expand into the weekend some events. That's not ideal for certain people, but I mean, it it would allow for us to have that extra like half hour that's really necessary. I think. Yeah, like going off of what you were saying, it's true because most of the events that I've I was at, which are quite quite a few actually, I mean, most of the people when they left, they couldn't. Uh, submit their question, they couldn't voice out their opinion. So they were pretty frustrated too. And I sometimes feel like as students, when we come back to our own community, like it's a bit difficult to integrate what is being said in these high level panels and then to kind of watery down almost to a level where students and people and students of other uh, disciplines can also follow and understand I feel so I kind of struggled with that because I came back and I was trying to explain to so some people about what I've done and what I have been at and stuff like that but some of them just couldn't follow what I was saying so I guess there needs to be a change in lingo. The part that uh, really astonished me is that it's organized in a very different way than I originally thought. It's really uh, one panel, we go, it's over, we move on to the next one. And as the other girl said, uh, lady said, it's really, uh, they start and go, and then you don't actually have time to have a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And this creates the fact that 
We're only seeing presentations. We could see these presentations from the comfort of our homes. If we don't have, if people who come there don't have time to uh, speak their mind and really have an engaging conversation, then why are they there? So this is a re-evaluation that uh, CSW has to do as a whole to see how many events they, they let uh, in and how many events people can attend and maybe have sign-up sheets before events to make sure that some rooms will be full instead of just waiting on the day of. And the fact that if you only go there to listen to these presentations, uh, the fact of going to CSW has dim really diminishing returns for the person that's attending, because especially people who come from uh, outside of North America who come to this these events and then they don't have time to put in their word or not there to talk to the few people that they really wanted to talk to because they leave right away because everybody's on such a tight schedule makes that there's a lack of coherence and bonding between everyone that's at CSW. Yeah, I guess. And like, because most of the people who come, like when you said, like also North America, they're like grassroots organizations who actually come to have a meaningful experience, right? And they spend so much money to come to these events, and then they can't really get their point across or to have a decent dialogue with people. It is frustrating, and it is um, diminishing, as you said. Uh, just one other thing that I thought of while we were speaking um, was the lack of access for those who don't speak their language. Uh, for the UN Secretary General, um, with I think there was way over 300 people in the room, um, and one of the women who went to ask a question couldn't speak English, she only spoke Arabic, and they didn't even think to have a translator in the room. Um, and that really frustrated me. And I saw that quite a few different events where people in the audience couldn't, they could understand English well enough to get through the presentations, but they couldn't speak it. So it was also an issue of not having the resources that need to be accessible so that it's actually an accessible event in that sense as well. Before we move on, I want to touch really quick kind of on what Jack and Katrina, or sorry, what Tyranny were saying. Um, that there's a really interesting dynamic during the limited question time on people who are there to promote their own agenda mm -hmm. versus the people who do have questions on what the panelists did present uh, in order to bring that back to their organization. Uh, so I think that there almost needs to be more space for dialogue to happen for those people so that people who are waiting, you know, for an hour or two hours to ask their question aren't being uh, overspoken by someone who is kind of just there to present their own ideas on kind of something off related. I'm curious to know what your understanding is about the agreed conclusions or how or if you ever heard about what the agreed conclusions are um, and how we as even just youth can even participate in the agreed conclusions or the importance of the agreed conclusions is that something that has been uh, predominant in in your understanding of the CSW? So I think one of the things with the UN overall is accessible language like Turney was saying and the fact that it's not accessible like we uh, three of us here have taken degrees in human rights for four or five years now, and it takes that much to even start to begin to understand how these systems work. And so looking at the agreed conclusions, like it's a long, lengthy document that is hard to mm -hmm. get through if it's not your passion or your drive to get through, but there are things that will impact people and impact how the world is currently moving in different political directions. So it's important that we know about them. I know for myself, I'm only in 
my second year of the human rights program, I started off in my other field. And, you know, most of the time I feel like I'm doing pretty good and then someone will start to say something and it just goes right over my head and I feel like I should know it because I'm starting to study it, right? But I just, I even I get so lost sometimes and I'm, I'm involved in it. You know, I'm involved in politics. I read up on things. I look at the news all the time. I, you know, try to know all the terms and the documents and the legislations and even for me, sometimes it's really confusing. And like we're saying, we're supposed to be coming back and implementing these things to our own communities. And for me, I work with kids, right? So I go and try to explain to them what the United Nations even is, and they just don't get it. So, Yeah, I guess when you talk about the ugly conclusions, they are, they are really long, and it takes like forever to get through them. Like I haven't read all of it. Like, mm-hmm. I... I don't know, and like as as we were discussing the language use sometimes, it is very difficult to understand. And as you said, like even though we are in the human rights program, like I sometimes find it confusing to understand some of the language that is used. So it's not very user friendly for a layman, I would say. So I would I would like to have a document, even if it is lengthy, like. If it is readable, if it's user-friendly and if it is readable and able, and the person reading is able to understand at least some of it, then I think that it's fruitful because you read it and you don't understand and then what's the point? No one's getting anything in the end, right? I mean, and it's not just for these high-level people, it's for everybody. So if the accessibility for such a document is just like the 1%, Mm-hmm. I think the other issue is the fact that you have to advocate your your national delegation to even have something brought forward to change the agreed conclusions, right? Like, none of Canada's delegation showed up to the North American caucus. Now, the American delegation showed up to the North American and European caucus, I should also add into that. Um, I don't think there was actually any delegations from any country there. So this caucus is also supposed to be talking about um, agreed conclusions, but we have no one to advocate towards. Um, and even if we advocate towards them, there's no guarantee that they're going to take it forward. So what's coming out of this is not actually the dialogue that's happening at the grassroots level. There's a massive disconnect in between the two um, because we're having all this important dialogue, but it doesn't matter because it's not going to be, it's going to be whatever the, General Assembly decides is going to be the narrative. I think I'd like for them, I mean, I obviously understand the language is being used for a reason, and I think it's important. So I'd almost like to see kind of two things be released to us, right? The agreed conclusions, and then almost a user-friendly version that I can kind of take back and go to my boss and say, you know, so this is the breakdown of it. This is essentially what this all means. This is what you can take away from it when you weren't there, or you might not understand the language, uh, or, you know, whatever organization you're with, just to have that, the kind of the overall general breakdown in layman's terms, so that it is more accessible for everyone who is in attendance or not in attendance. Mm-hmm. So, so with that, where, where do we go from here? So what are certain outcomes or outputs that you have seen or you are doing yourself now that you're back from CSW? I mean, for me, I definitely was able to make a few connections and I'm partnering with some people that I met doing some research projects over the summer, which is really great for me. Uh, The field of disability studies is a very small one. So being able to meet people 
uh, in that field was a really great opportunity for me, especially when you're meeting people outside of your Canadian context. Um, however, you know, we only had the one event really that I was able to go to that was really not accessible. So we had some interesting conversations about that, but um, I definitely do think that it's, it is the connections that you are able to make that really uh, can make a difference, especially when you're a student and you're getting close to finishing your undergrad and moving forward and having those connections to kind of figure out where you can go to or meet people and kind of have an idea of, okay, so this is my degree, this is what I want to do, and then seeing people who are actually accomplishing something and saying, okay, you know what, so maybe I've not been feeling very hopeful for this cause lately, but look at everything that's being done. Um, I really enjoyed being able to also network. Uh, I take a specific focus in colonization and decolonization um, and got to meet people in Palestine and Israel, where I plan on doing my practicum next year, who have now invited me to be able to go work with them and um, with projects that I think could also be transferable to Canada. And I think that that was excellent. Going off the point of, of highlighting things that are also successes, uh, in one of the panels that I went to, it was a closed panel for the YWCA of Canada. Um, but it we talked a lot about having female mentors towards each other, and I think that that was a really not actionable for me, but I think it was important to have a lot of ministers in the room who noticed that that dialogue was happening and knew us to call for mentorship and that that will hopefully help in uh, our government to be able to bring about that mentorship. Those would be my two big ones is that you get, as students, you get opportunities to network and to build connections and to brainstorm projects that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Yeah, definitely. What you were just saying, it's it's really good place for brainstorming. There was a few times myself and one of the other girls that come both run programs uh, in different communities in Winnipeg, and we were able to meet other people who do the same thing, and they were kind of like, oh, you know what, if this isn't working for you, this is what we did. And we went to a presentation where uh, a woman had done an evaluation of her community, and she talked about the success that that had for them, and now uh, that's something that we're doing here. Um, for me, too, I guess networking was a big deal. And I actually met this lady who was there advocating for, like, to bring awareness for human trafficking in um, in North America. And, like, she was, like, very, very passionate about what she was talking about. And, like, she kind of felt a little frustrated about, uh, like, when we were at the panel and that these high-level um, panelists couldn't really didn't get what the grassroots people were talking about they were at their own level and they just couldn't meet the grassroots level people and so there was a little bit of frustration but I saw the passion and like she was she was giving me all these little uh, brochures and leaflets and telling me to contact her and that she gave me all of these uh, sites and etc etc so like there are lots of people who come there with so much of passion and it is as I said, like networking and finding out ways to use maybe different models, different frameworks that it'll actually, you change it here and there to make it work for your local. CSW is a really good opportunity for student 
its educational aspect, uh, even for students like me who weren't there to really have an impact on others, but CSW had a really big impact on me. Uh, as a young man now, throughout the rest of my life, uh, I will be more vigilant and think about uh, whenever uh, I'm writing policies, whenever I'm conducting business, whenever I will be uh, there for the interest of Canadians or others, be able to bring an equal voice for women. And for students who are very young and their minds can still be sculpted uh, with uh, fairness and equality, uh, it's a really good opportunity for them to learn about this and see that uh, it may be in North America, uh, it's hard, it's a bit harder to see, but with all these people raising awareness to all of these issues, it's a really good eye-opener for anyone who can permit themselves to go to CSW. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking part in our GNWP podcast. Um, and also, thank you for being part of this international solidarity movement that GNWP is trying to put forth, especially between youth from all over the world and, and the importance of peace building and peacemaking um, and the commitment that you have towards this. So thank you.